What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Primetime Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Miller. So happy Friday to everybody. Tonight is the start of a three-game series between the Yankees and the Red Sox. I'm going to start off by previewing that game and then give you guys an update on the Dodgers, who won their 11th straight game yesterday. I'll talk about some moves that the Angels are making as of late, and then I'll also talk about the Baltimore Orioles for just a minute. So start off with the Red Sox-Yankees series. The Red Sox are coming off a tough loss yesterday to the Washington Nationals, where they lost two of three in that series. Even though the Red Sox probably should have won two of three in that series, Washington is playing better baseball as of late, which I alluded to yesterday. They're 18-12 and 12 in their last 30 games played, which is tied for sixth best in baseball with the Baltimore Orioles in the last 30 played. So that is impressive on its own, 18-12 in the last 30. They're starting to find a rhythm and get themselves back on track as a franchise. A lot of young talent there to build around, especially after that Juan Soto package that they landed. They have even more talent coming up in the next year or two. But here's the thing with that series against Washington. The Red Sox really did need two or three in that series. Now they're three and a half games back of the last wild cut spot in the American League. The Mariners are only a half game back of the Blue Jays right now. The Mariners have won three in a row, seven and three in the last ten. The Sox are six and four in the last ten, losing two straight now, losing both of those games to Washington. Yesterday was an interesting game. The Red Sox found themselves down nine to one at one point in the bottom of the sixth inning. Then at the top of the sixth inning, the Red Sox scored six runs with a grand slam for Luis Arias and, and a Rafael Devis two run home run to make it a nine seven ball game. The Red Sox threatened in the top of the ninth inning when they were down 10-7 with a leadoff hit by Alex Verdugo and then a double by Jaron Duran, making it second and third, nobody out. The Red Sox couldn't get anybody across, and they lose that game 10-7. Disappointing loss, but as I said, the Washington Nationals are playing better baseball as of late, but that's not an excuse for the Red Sox not to go in there and get the job done. They needed to win 2-3, of three, and they end up losing 2-3 of three in that series. But now if you look at the Yankees, though, it's really been a lost season for them. This season is pretty much... Almost over. They're six and a half games back of the last wild card spot right now. If you look at their lineup, not much offensive production. Only Aaron Judge has a better batting average of 265 on the year. If you look at their lineup, Judge is at 281, and then Gleyber Torres is at 265, which is the second best batting average on the club. And if you look at them as a whole, their pitching's been off this year. Luis Severino is not the pitcher that he once was. They've had some injuries as well to starting pitchers like Carlos Rodon, who struggled. And then obviously the whole fiasco with Domingo Herman on the season has been a roller coaster for the Yankees. So they've really had a challenging season with injuries and players just not producing like they typically would. Anthony Rizzo's had a tough season. And then even though DJ LeMay, who's missed a little bit of time, he's had a tough season. Josh Donaldson was one of the worst hitters in the game of baseball this year before getting hurt. Aaron Judge was hurt. They've really struggled this year to stay healthy. And then even guys that are playing have been struggling as well and been poor at the plate. So it's really just been a disaster for the Yankees this year. And if the Red Sox could win two or three games this weekend against the Yankees, I think it completely ends their playoff chances. They have a very, very slim chance of making the playoffs where things currently stand six and a half games back of Toronto right now. But if the Red Sox go and win two or three against the Yankees, I think it completely ends the Yankees season. They're two and eight in the last 10 games. Coming off a three-game series against the Atlanta Braves, so they were swept 3-0 in the series, being outscored 18-3 in those three games, and they were shut out two games in a row against Atlanta. The Yankees' offense has been very cold, even with Aaron Judge being back in the lineup. I knew Aaron Judge coming back would help a little bit, but would not be enough for them to be a team that would buy at the trade deadline. I thought they should have sold at the trade deadline, and even though they didn't buy heavily, I would have sold some pieces to the deadline if I were the Yankees, especially considering where they stand right now and where their projection was at the trade deadline. I didn't see them as a playoff team then, and obviously now it's just even worse. For the Red Sox, though, this series is a huge one. The Red Sox need to get themselves back on track and win two of three in this series at least. If they were to win three of three, that would be huge. The Red Sox on the season are actually five and one versus the Yankees, outscoring them 32 to 15 in those six games. The Red Sox need two of three at worst. 
With Brian Bayo on the mound tonight, the Red Sox need a good outing out of him. He has a 3.81 ERA on the year. He has struggled recently, though, in his last five starts. He's a 5.93 ERA, allowing a 296 opponent batting average and also has allowed 18 earned runs and 27 and a third innings pitched with seven home runs allowed in his last five starts. And that brings into question whether or not he's tipping pitches because he was so dominant before this five-game stretch, and now he's been really struggling. So is there a chance he's tipping pitches? Maybe. Or maybe just getting in his head, not locating right. Hopefully he finds a way to get himself back on track. He has looked very good against the Yankees on the season. In two starts versus the Yankees, he's allowed just three earned runs and 14 innings pitched with a 1.93 ERA and a 143 batting average against him, which is very impressive. On the mound for the Yankees tonight, it is Johnny Brito, a 25-year-old right-handed pitcher who has a 4.76 ERA on the year in 12 starts. He's appeared in 15 games and has a 4-5 and record with a 1.283 whip. He'll be getting the start tonight for the New York Yankees in the Bronx. As of tomorrow night, it'll be Garrett Cole on the mound for the Yankees. The ace for the Yankees has had a very good year, one of the only bright spots for the Yankees consistently all season. He has a 10-3 record on the year with a 2.76 ERA and a 1.05 whip. On the mound for the Red Sox tomorrow, it'll be Cutter Crawford, who has a 5-6 record on the season with a 3.8 ERA and a 1.13 whip. I'm a big fan of Cutter Crawford and what he's done this season. In his last outing, he went four and two-thirds innings pitched against the Detroit Tigers, where he gave up two earned runs, had two strikeouts, one walk, and hit batsman with 73 total pitches in the game. He hasn't really gone over 85 pitches much at all this season. In his last five starts, he's only gone over 85 pitches once. Hopefully the Red Sox have a deep outing out of him tomorrow and maybe get six innings out of him on the hill. So now I'm going to give a rundown of the Red Sox lineup for tonight's game. you got Alex Verdugo leading off, Rafael Devis batting second, Justin Turner DHing batting third, Masataki Yoshida batting fourth, Tristan Casas batting fifth. He had his 20th home run of the season yesterday, raising his batting average to 256 on the season. He also has the highest OPS on the team on the year with an 845 OPS. Casas has been one of the best hitters in the game of baseball over the last few months, and the Red Sox needed somebody in the lineup to pick things up, and he's been just the answer for them as of late. Trevor Story batting sixth. Then batting seventh, it is my boy Jaron Duran, who has taken the last few days off from the starting lineup with mental health issues. It's nice to see him getting the support he needs from Alex Cora, the Red Sox clubhouse, and the fan base as a whole, especially with all that Jaron Duran went through last season. To see him come back as a different player this year and make all the adjustments he's made defensively and at the plate, obviously a much different player than he was last year, but he still has been going through some things mentally, and it's good to see him getting the support he needs from Alex Cora and the team. Everybody needs help and someone to lean on at times. It's good to see Jaron Duran getting the help and support he needs from his teammates and also his manager in Alex Cora. Batting eighth, it is Reese McGuire, and then batting ninth, it is Pablo Reyes. As I said, the Red Sox really need to win two or three in this series. Tonight would be a big win for the Red Sox. If they can start this series with the win, hopefully win one of the other two, and then take two of three, that would be a good weekend series for the Red Sox to get themselves back on track. As I said, the Red Sox are off 5-1 and one against the Yankees on the season. So if they could find a way to win all three, that would obviously be huge, but I'm going to take at least two of three at the very least. I'll be happy with that. So now I'm going to move on and talk about the Baltimore Orioles, who are 5-5 five five in the last 10 games. But now they play the Oakland Athletics for a three-game set. They're definitely going to get themselves back on track this weekend. Oakland is 6-14 in the last 20 games, tied for the worst record in baseball over the last 20 with Colorado. They also have the worst record on the season as a whole with only 34 wins. Jackson Holiday is the number one prospect in the game of baseball. There are some reports that there is a chance that the Baltimore Orioles could call him up in September at some point. He's only 19 years old. was the first overall pick in the 2022 MLB draft. But if you look at his stats in the minor leagues, he's been absolutely slashing and crushing it in the minor leagues. 330 batting average in the minors with 11 home runs, a 972 OPS, and 27 doubles in 113 minor league games. 
Adding him to the lineup for the Baltimore Orioles makes him even stronger, makes him even more of a threat in the postseason in the American League. Their young talent's ridiculous. They're going to have even more talent coming up in the next few seasons. If I were the Orioles, I would definitely think about calling Jackson Holiday up in September at some point. It would bolster the lineup, and it looks like he is ready to play at the major league level. Even though he is 19 years old, he has been absolutely crushing it at the minor league level, and there's a chance that the Orioles say, hey, let's bring him up and try to make a postseason run with him in our lineup. Now I'm going to move on and talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers, who have won 11 straight games. I talked about them yesterday. They won their 11th straight in last night's game against the Milwaukee Brewers, winning that game 1-0 with a home run in the bottom of the eighth inning from Austin Bonds. Bonds was 2-4 in the game. He had two of the Dodgers' four hits. Mookie Betts had the other two on the night. Bonds is hitting just 136 on the season with a 392 OPS. Has been struggling heavily all year, but he came up big in a big spot last night. The Dodgers are now 15-1 in the month of August, and they start a three-game series versus the Miami Marlins starting tonight, who have been struggling heavily in the last 30 games. The Marlins are just 10-20 since the All-Star break. They were 53-39 before the All-Star break, and are now 10-20 since the All-Star break. Tony Gonsolin's on the mound tonight for the Dodgers, 8-4 record on the year with a 4.24 ERA and a 1.14 whip. Sandy Alcantara is on the mound for the Miami Marlins, a 5-10 record on the season with a 4.09 ERA and a 1.17 whip. That's a good matchup tonight. And then tomorrow, another good matchup. Julio Arias is on the mound for the Dodgers, 10-6 record with a 4.35 ERA and a 1.12 whip. Versus Yuri Perez, who is a 5-4 record for the Marlins on the year with a 3.19 ERA and a 1.15 whip. And then Sunday, it'll be Bobby Miller on the mound for the Dodgers, who's been fantastic on the season as a rookie. A 7-2 record with a 3.7 ERA and a 1.17 whip. In his last three starts, he's been very dominant. He's gone against three very good teams in his last three starts. Three teams that are still in the mix for the playoffs, even though the Padres have been a disappointment on the season. They also still technically in the mix in the NL wildcard race, and then Arizona and Milwaukee are more in the mix than San Diego. But those are three teams there that are in the mix for the playoffs. In his last three starts, he's only allowed two earned runs against those teams in 15 and two-thirds innings pitched with 11 strikeouts, six walks, a 1.15 ERA, and a 190 opponent batting average against him. He's been dominant on the season. Great to see the Dodgers bringing up young talent and seeing them produce like they always do. It seems like they just always find a way to bring even more talent in every single year. Even though they don't sign a big free agent this offseason, they still find a way to get prospects up get under-the-radar signings like J.D. Martinez, and bring back time for guys like Ryan Brazier and Kiko Hernandez. They're just a ridiculous team to watch, and a team that's getting hot at the right time, 15-1 and in the month of August. Now I'm going to move on and talk about the Los Angeles Angels really quick, who've been making moves today. They designated Chad Wallach for assignment, has been a backup catcher for them the last two seasons. He got a bigger role this season than expected when Logan O'Hoppy went down with an injury early in the season. Wallach has been struggling, though. He has seven home runs on the season, so he was showing a little bit of power, a 682 OPS, but hitting just 209 for a batting average. We'll see what happens with him. If nobody picks him up off waivers, he'll end up back in AAA. But there is a chance that somebody will pick him up. The Angels also placed C.J. Crone on the 10-day injured list with a back injury. He's been struggling for the Angels in his return to Anaheim, hitting just 217 in 14 games with the Angels and just one home run. A 270 batting average for a guy that was doing better in Colorado. You'd think he'd come to the Angels and maybe get some juice back considering he was with the Angels early in his career and could help them try to make the postseason, but he has struggled in the 14 games since being acquired by the Angels at the trade deadline. Now it leaves the Angels with a big decision to make. Do they go out and be aggressive like they've always been and take a big risk and call up one of their top prospects? Or do they just try to make ends meet with what they have in their roster? They chose the first thing that I said. They chose to go out and elevate one of their top prospects, first baseman Nolan Chanuel, who is the 11th overall pick 40 days ago in the 2023 MLB draft, already getting called up to the major leagues. Was very MLB ready, though, at the 
MLB draft, which is the reason the Angels took him. They wanted to draft players that could help them win potentially sooner than a high school player could. So if you draft a college player that was a senior in college, they're closer to making the major leagues most of the time than a high school prospect is. So it makes sense with them drafting a guy like Nolan Chanuel, a guy that is a little bit more MLB ready than a top high school prospect. He's a guy that did very well in double A for the Angels, hit 339 in 16 double A games. Was a very good college baseball hitter at Florida Atlantic. He had three home runs versus University of Florida this past season. Very strong power, good for average as well. One of the best college bats in the MLB draft. Had 19 home runs, 64 runs batted in, 14 strikeouts to 71 walks. He had 57 more walks and strikeouts this past season. Also a 447 batting average and a 615 on base percentage this past season with an 868 slugging percentage, a 1483 OPS and 18 hit by pitches. In his career at Florida Atlantic, he had 46 home runs, 176 runs batted in, a 386 batting average with a 516 on base percentage, 57 strikeouts to 138 walks and a 1215 OPS. Very patient hitter that obviously has a great eye at the plate considering he had 138 walks in his college career and only 57 strikeouts. Now he's being called up to the major leagues and will be leading off for the Angels tonight ahead of Shohei Otani in the lineup. He'll be leading off playing first base and then Shohei Otani will be batting second for the Angels DHing in tonight's game. Batting third, it'll be Brandon Drury playing second. Mike Moustakis batting cleanup playing third. Batting fifth, it'll be the catcher, Logan O'Hoppy. He is back in the lineup tonight for the Angels. Much need to see him back in the lineup. Hitting 283 on the season with four home runs, two doubles, and a 339 of base percentage and 886 OPS on the season with just 53 at-bats. Did get hurt early in April. Good to see him back in the lineup. Batting sixth, it is the center fielder, Mickey Moniak, who has a 279 batting average on the season with 12 home runs, 18 doubles. And an 8-11 OPS on the air. Batting 7th, it is the right fielder, Hunter Renfro. Batting 8th, it is a shortstop, Luis Ronjifo. And batting ninth, it is a left fielder, Randall Grigic. So that's a solid lineup tonight for the Angels. We'll see what Shanuel does in tonight's game. He is only 21 years old, so there is a big risk calling up this early. But the Angels are in desperation win-now mode. They're in desperation win-now mode. Still a long shot to make the playoffs the way things currently stand. But I love that they're putting all of their chips in for right now. Desperate times call for desperate measures. They're going all in. And they want to try to surround Shohei Otani with the most talent possible. I said when they drafted Noah Shinny, well, they were trying to get college bats to try to put better players around Shohei Otani in the next year or so. Did I think they'd call Shinny well up this quick? No, I don't think anybody thought that. Obviously, that's a surprise call up, but they're going all in. And Shanuel said right after the draft that he wants to be there with Zach Neto, with Ben Joyce, with Mike Trout, with Shohei Otani. And now he's done just that. He's in the same lineup tonight. With Shohei Otani, we'll see if Zach Neto and Mike Trout can get back soon. But he's in the Angels lineup tonight. Hopefully he can do big things for the Angels. As I said, in 16 AA games, he was a big threat for the Angels with a 339 batting average, a home run, and a 955 OPS. And it's crazy to think that he was drafted just 40 days ago and just got called up to the major leagues and was playing in Hyannis this summer in the Cape Cod League. But here's the reality of the situation. The Angels drafted him knowing he's going to come up at some point very soon, probably within a year. I don't think anybody saw it within 40 days. But got the call up quick, and we'll see how he does in tonight's game. As I said, he'll be leading off, batting first, Shohei Otani batting second. And this really isn't out of the line with the trend of what the Angels have been doing in the last few years. They've been calling up prospects very early, trying to get them up to the major league level as quick as possible. We saw it with Chase Silseth, who was drafted in the 2021 draft by the Angels. They end up calling him up to the major leagues after just 88 and one-third innings pitched in the minor leagues. It was 27 appearances in the minors, where he had a 2.76 ERA. They called him up last year. He made his debut. This year, he has a 4-1 and record of the 3.27 ERA. He was the first player to be called up from the 2021 MLB draft. Then Zach Neto, who the Angels took in the MLB draft last year with the 13th overall pick in the 2022 MLB draft. He was the first player to be called up from the 2022 draft class. 
only 44 games in the minor leagues for Zach Neto, 201 plate appearances in the minors, where he hit 322 for batting average and a 937 OPS, was called up to the major leagues early this season, and now has a 241 batting average with eight home runs in 67 games played this year in the majors. A piece to build around for the future. He has been hurt this year a good amount, but hopefully they can get him back healthy. Now, Noah Chanuel, another guy. 21 games in the minor leagues, just 96 plate appearances in the minors, and he's going to hit leadoff for them tonight. And obviously, as I said, was a great college baseball hitter, and he was more MLB-ready than just about every single player in the MLB draft in 2023. So it makes sense why the Angels took him. Sam Bachman, another example, the ninth overall pick in the 2021 MLB draft, made his debut this year as a reliever, a 3.18 ERA in the major leagues this year. He was called up after just 23 minor league appearances, with a 4.48 ERA in the minors. He's currently on a 60-day IL, unfortunately. And then Ben Joyce, another pitcher who the Angels called up very quick. He's appeared in five games this year, has a 4.5 ERA since making his debut. He was a third-round pick in the 2022 MLB Draft, was called up after just 27 appearances in the minor leagues, where he had a 3.45 ERA. He's currently on the 60-day IL. So it makes sense why the Angels really are calling up guys sooner rather than later. They want to get the most talent around Shohei Otani and Mike Trout and make it happen as soon as possible. If you look at it, they called up the first player from the 2021, 2022, and 2023 MLB drafts. And then Sam Bachman, Ben Joyce are two other examples that they called up very fast. We'll see what the Angels do tonight. They're starting a three-game series against the Tampa Bay Rays tonight in Anaheim. Tyler Anderson is on the mound for the Angels. 5.28 ERA on the year with a 1.52 whip. The Angels are currently seven games back of the last wild card. Very slim chance that they can make the playoffs, but... There's no harm in trying. They might as well go out and try. Mike Trout still recovering from the broken handmade bone in his hand. He's facing live pitching now and could be back in the lineup as soon as next week. So we'll see what happens there. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. And hope you guys have a good one. I will see you in the next episode.